Welcome back to the Fried Egg Podcast. I am excited to announce a new podcast series for the Fried Egg with former U.S. Open champion Jeff Ogilvie. Really excited to kick this thing off uh, today here, and we'll be talking on a regular basis. Uh, we haven't really figured out exactly how often. We've got two parts to this podcast, and um, we'll talk a little bit of pro golf. We'll talk a little bit of travel, a little bit of architecture, kind of wherever the conversation goes. Uh, Jeff's obviously one of the great minds in golf, and uh, really thank him for his time and uh, wanting to do this. So we're, we're looking for an, a name for this series. So if you have any ideas, feel free to shoot them off on Twitter or shoot us an email, uh, contact at thefriedegg.com. But hope you guys enjoy uh, this series and really fun always to talk with Jeff. He's a thoughtful guy. So here, here's episode one. I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Hey, what do you think about Wiley? I like it. Um, well, I love the greens. I think the greens are really good. Um, it's an awful piece of land. Like, there's nothing to the land at all. Have you, you've been there, right? Have you been I, there? I haven't been there. It's dead. I mean, it's dead flat. And you know that kind of flat lines of arm trees? I mean, it looks kind of awful, but the greens are great. Really great. I mean, I haven't seen the new 17th. I don't think they did a very good job with that one, but um, it's too small and a crap piece of land, but it's got good grains, so it's kind of enjoyable. That's yeah. how I'd sum it up, really. Was, this year was like, I don't know if you watched it. I, I really enjoyed watching it. It was firm and fast, and I felt like it, it kind of like allowed everybody to play. It definitely does that. It's an angle. It's... Not that there's enough width for angles, but it's a position course rather than a flog at course, definitely. I mean, everybody can get to the par fives. I mean, the whole field gets to like 9 and 18. So, it, and 18 is a shithole, but it gives everyone a chance because the longer you are, you got an advantage, but not necessarily. You still have to hit a great shot, no matter how long you hit it because of the dog leg. So, yeah. I think it's everybody can play there. I mean, Zach can win there. Either of the Zachs and Brooks can win there. You know, everyone. And everyone has. I mean, long hitters, short hitters. Everyone's won there. So I think it's not going in my top 50 or 100, but it's a good course to play a tournament, and it's a good, it's a nice place to play. That's how I'd say it. How would you, so, what, do, what do you think about, home. like, tournament golf courses? Like, what are good tournament courses that are bad or average golf courses, like Wiley? Um... Good tournament courses or venues? Because I think they're two different questions. That, that's what I'm kind of curious about. It's like I think there's great courses and there's great venues. Um, Riviera is a great course. And it's decent from a playing perspective. It's great from a playing perspective. As a venue, it's pretty restricted, right? No parking, 
in the middle of LA. How, do you, how does anybody get there? Small property, doesn't handle big crowds. But from a player, it's great, right? But it's got a crappy range, and you got to walk up and down that hill five times in a day. And like, there's some things about it that are just slightly annoying, right? It's good, and that might be the highest ranked course we play, that or Pebble. Mm-hmm. But doesn't necessarily make it the best tournament course. Whereas some of the tournament courses, especially the TPCs, not necessarily the TPCs, but some of them are so logistically well organized that it's such an easy week, yet architecturally or the course doesn't inspire you very much. So I guess there's both ways. I love Riv. Riv and Pebble, I think, are the two best courses we play on a regular schedule. Um, but they're not necessarily logistically Pebbles a nightmare to play the tournament at, right? Because you park at the polo fields and you get shuttles everywhere and the guy half the field's hitting off ten and ten at Pebble at seven o'clock in the morning, it's not a level playing field with the guy who gets to tee off at twelve on the first. You know, it's it's a completely different question they're getting asked for the day. Like if you tee off at seven o'clock on the tenth at Pebble Beach, you're gonna be over par after one hole. It's just the way it is, right? Yeah. The guy who tees off at when he gets the guy who tees off at 12 off the first, he gets to 10, he's all warmed up and he's ready to play. So I think some situations like that kind of mess tournaments up, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm overthinking it, but. What uh, about, what about the, like, so the three, three course weeks, like, like the desert and pebble where you got to play like is it weird yeah, when you tough. play when you play like the hard course first and you're you say even par and somebody shoots sixty two on one of the other courses? Yeah, it's weird that I always found that weird. Like, because you first when I first played the start of the tour was January, right? It was the West Coast Swing, and you would have um, Pebble has three courses, Tory has two courses, the Hope had four courses at that point, so you had three tournaments you had eight courses or something and it was just uh nine courses it was crazy the hope and the hope generally the original hope was great because all the courses were right next to each other you know bermuda dunes indian wells la quinta and you kind of get the same weather in the desert but there was that one cup there was a couple of years they moved to the classic club there was one course out near the freeways um and that was blowing 30 now near all those windmills and so that one was blowing 30 miles an hour every day, and the other three courses were dead still. So you'd have guys shooting even par on that course and guys shooting 10 under on all the other courses. That wasn't right. That was kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, because then the next day at a classic club, it still, it only blew every second day out there. So if you kind of got unlucky in your rotation, you were kind of taken out of the tournament. Um, but the Bob Hope now is pretty good. I mean, they're all at PGA West. I thought, oh, look into it. It's around the corner. And I've always really enjoyed it. Um, it's a great early-in-the-year tournament. Be terrible in the summer, I think, when you were kind of in the middle of your season. But it was a great early year. Tory's tough because Tory, there was different now. There was always such a discrepancy between south and north that if you could manage to, uh, everyone would have five or six under on the north and two or three over on the south. And now it's a bit more similar because they've made the north so hard. So That's it's true. an acquired taste, the multiple course tournament. But after you get used to it, it's fun. But it takes a while to get used to, especially yeah. when you're young because you don't know any of these courses. And you're playing these guys have been playing for 10 years and I eventually hardly even played a practice round at Pebble the last few years because I know the courses so well and the, and everyone wants to play Pebble, the amateurs. And so the practice round out there is six and a half hours because they're all playing it and that's fair enough. So I might go play six holes at Spyglass or something, but 
that's about it and go up on the Tuesday and just play it quick because it's such a long week anyway. Um, but your first year, you've got to play three practice rounds Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and rush them all around and see everything and have three yardage books and like it's scrambling. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it would be. It, I mean, like it's hard playing like, you know, a USGA event. I, it was funny. I played this US, I played the mid-am at, at, in Philly and, you know, we played each course once. And like then you start to look through the scores and also like almost every guy in the field that was from Philly got through because he knew the courses so well. Yeah. It's it's a Yeah, it's like that thing. golf in it a little bit. Yeah. It's um very I mean, local knowledge is very underrated or yeah. very powerful. Have you played yeah. have you ever played like a Australia Open at Victoria? Um, yeah, we played one in two thousand and two. Um, uh, is it hard felt, to play at your home course? I found it difficult. I mean, I'd be kind of lucky. There was some state opens. The Victorian Open was a state open, which has turned into a pretty big tournament now. But back then, it was just a state open, like a $200,000 prize money or something, uh, total purse. And I played it when I was younger, and I, I kind of played really well. And it was at Victoria two or three times, and I played quite well. So I'd kind of played tournaments at Victoria before by the time the US at the Australian Open turned up to it. But it's still weird. You got all the members saying, Oh, you're gonna win this week, you're gonna win this week, oh, why wouldn't you win this week? And um I think I finished about tenth or twelfth or something. But um Yeah, it was uh it's tough. Yeah. It's just put too much pressure on yourself. I mean the hardest part about golf is expectation and living up to your own expectations. And when you don't, you beat yourself up really fast. And I found local golf Hard. I always found anonymous to. I find anonymous to a golf the easiest. You know, when you turn up in China and nobody's watching you play, they're all watching the local hero or something, and you just get to do your own thing. You know, I find golf easiest that way. Huh. Yeah, you should go play. You know, the Dakotas tours. You know. Yeah. <laughs> There's some <laughs> cool stuff you hear about around. No, I mean, the yeah, local <laughs> stuff is difficult. I've I've always like. Guys like Larry Myers winning the Masters from Augusta, I mean, that's an unbelievable effort. I can, it's, That must be something he was feeling that week. Yeah. You know, can you imagine being from Augusta and having all your school friends and that, knowing that you were doing that? That'd be incredible. Charles Howell's from Augusta too. He must feel it a little bit there. Yeah. I mean, Patrick Reed was uh, one yeah. there, but, but his family was at home. So it's a crazy. That's the crazy yeah, I just it's, it's, There's this, that element of, but knowing the course, it's funny. When I first played Victoria in the Australian Open or in tournaments, I didn't know whether to carry a yardage book or not because I didn't use a yardage book every day. I know I knew what it like from a from that bunk from here. It's a seven iron today. It's a six iron tomorrow. It's like you know you know all the clubs and the yardage book didn't match with what I thought the club was. Yeah, that's funny. I'd get to the fourth in a spot where I'd always hit seven iron, and I'd get there, and it's like this actually measures. This should be a six iron, but I've always hit seven from here. So I'm, you know, it confused me a little bit. And there was ones the other way around, long and short. It was uh, interesting. So I got confused about whether actually to play it how I would normally just on a Saturday comp or to play it how I would in the tournament. In a normal tournament, it was interesting. It's, it's, <laughs> I played a couple events at courses like I played, you know, as a home course. And I struggled at like two of them. But then like my childhood Muni would have like a state am every year qualifier. And I'd go there, and I'd always, it's like you. I knew I could shoot a good score 
you know, like the back of my hand there, but like at the other courses, I don't know, for some reason I struggled. It's, it's weird, but like that childhood Muni, which I would only play in the state amp qualifier once a year was like, it was like a cakewalk, but the course that I play regularly, it would be a struggle. It was, it's, it's an interesting thing playing at home. It's funny too. Like if we just talk about Hawaii, like when I first went to Kapalua, I thought it was an unplayable golf course. I just think it was, but you couldn't play. It was ridiculous. It's like you're standing on the side of a hill everywhere and you've half the holes are 550 and they play 310 and the other holes are 310 and they play 550. The ones up the hill into the wind. I just couldn't understand it. And your putts break 30 feet and, you got to land your wedges 20 yards short of some greens and have them roll, break a long way. And, but after two years, it became my favorite, the easiest course on the tour for me. Like my second or third year, all of a sudden, I'm like, how easy is this? this is a joke. How did I never understand this? And the Sony, which at first seemed so simple, um, I missed my first six or seven cuts at the Sony. It just didn't, even though I quite enjoyed it and I thought it looked quite easy, I just couldn't make the cut there. Whereas Kapalua, I, I hated it at first. And then after a few years, that was my favorite. So, uh, you never know what you're gonna where you're gonna play well, right? You just have none, there's no rhyme or reason. Sometimes you just play well at places. The, Sometimes you just can't play other places. The Wiley seems like a course where it could just make you look stupid. You know, you just feel it's tricky. It's like you just got enough of that Bermuda rough that takes all the control off your second shot, and it's narrow enough, and it's crosswinds everywhere because Hawaii's never still, and it's it's that. 50s 60s length course right so the dog legs are all too early for modern golf so you're running it through all the time <laughs> you're kind of having to cut the corners and running it through and you've got these shots from behind palm trees out of flyer rough which and you can't bend the ball out of and so it frustrates you because you can see it like it seems so simple in front of you but it does it's very tricky and very frustrating can be but then on the week when it doesn't blow too much those weeks where they just birdie every hole those guys out there yeah. um that's kind of fun too, but uh, it's a tricky course. How, Simple on the surface. With Kapalua, I, and it's got uneven lies. Like uh, I feel like the w- there aren't a lot of courses with lies like that, but Augusta's one of them. And I always have I've always looked what the last couple of years when I'm looking at Augusta, I kind of look at at Kapalua guys that play well at Kapalua to play well at Augusta because of those uneven lies. Do you, do you think that? is kind of true out there yeah i do i capital is an odd course at first it, it it seems to suit long hitters um but i actually think it's it's a wedge course Kapalua. um certainly the side hill lies are very obvious when you first get there they're crazy the first thing you notice about Kapalua is like the ball is never on the level that your feet are uh extreme downslopes, extreme upslopes. And that's what you find at the Masters, like you say. It's like, and that's, we don't get that every day. We don't get that as much as we used to, like, uh, or as maybe they did in the old days, the side hill lies. Uh, same sort of golf would do well at both, for sure. Especially the imagination. So Kapalua takes so much imagination. There are so many shots there where you could be 50 yards from the hole and you legitimately have to, to land the ball 30 yards short and 20 yards left of the pin to get it to go to the hole on like five, that par five or six, the short one on the front nine, 11. Like there's a lot of holes, 18. I mean, you're hitting your shot 50 yards away from where the pin is to get it to go to the pin. That takes imagination. It takes a a lot of thought and imagination. And Augusta takes that all over the place too. And some of those shots, you know, Um, 
So I think they're very similar. Yeah, Side Hill Lies and Imagination would do well at both. That's actually a pretty good form guide who, who plays well at Kapalua. So put, put some money on Xander for the Masters, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that's, I, I think like, uh, it's kind of what I've started to think with the modern tour pro is like Side Hill Lies and, and Interesting Greens are, are kind of the recipe for, for testing today. Because it's really hard to hit good wedges from from awkward lies. And the thing is, we don't practice them anymore because elite-level golf has become a range thing, right? We work on the range. We go to the range to work on our techniques and get our numbers on track, man. And ranges are flat. So we do a majority of our swinging and we work on our driver a lot and we never work on our driver off anything other than a flat lie, you know? So we, I think we're losing that ability to adapt a little bit from how like the golfers who grew up just playing golf every single day. Um, certainly uneven lies, but that's what I think fairways need to be cut maybe a little bit longer mm-hmm. sometimes. And same with greens too. I think if we could slow them down just a tiny bit, we would get balls holding on slopes, not a lot, just a little bit. And it's always more interesting when the ball's on a slope, right? Even with putting just a little bit, it's hard to hit putts when the ball's above your feet or below your feet without kind of feeling weird about it, you know? Um, and it only needs to be half a percent. Mm-hmm. Um, so to I, throw you out. I forgot what hole was at Kapaloo. I saw a ton of guys missing, and then, like, the center... I feel like architecture in the 70s, 80s, 60s became obsessed with the spines, the front tier, back tier, and I think mm-hmm. the better is the the middle tier, the center spine that goes left, right. Because It's certainly interesting, yeah. <laughs> because you guys don't miss numbers as much as you miss left, right. Mm-hmm. Right? From certain distances, remember Pelts did that study, like there was a, from short range we, get, we hit it straight but the wrong distance, and from long range we hit it the right distance but not straight. No, there's like a formula there, you know, like a three iron we miss pin high but wide and a wedge we miss straight, deep or short. Um, but you're right, so like that that kind of short on the bottom tier, back tier, like that straight tier across the green isn't as interesting as like angle right or like, yeah, left and right stuff. Like seven at the Masters. Mm-hmm. You get high on the right, yeah. then you get low, then you get high in the middle and it's like they're they're sideways targets like 12 at Augusta too. It's, it's, it's not a, it's a sideways target, right? Rather than a accuracy target. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it, <laughs> and then it amplifies yes. the angle too, because if you're hitting mm-hmm. across, it makes the target so much smaller. And then if you're on the right side, it, you've got almost a backboard in there. Yeah. I well, 16 in the masters too, five, six. Yeah. A lot of them are that way, right? That if you miss your line, it rolls off a lot, lot further that way, mm-hmm. which is uh, interesting. Kapalua is definitely like If you miss your line at Kapalua on those, some of those shots, you can be 100 feet, really, and you can miss it by two feet. Like the, the, that front right pin on 18, which everyone who's ever watched the tournament has seen, if you get it six inches past the hole or wherever, it's 80 feet. <laughs> you don't have to miss it by much. It's um, And the Masters does that to you as well. Yeah. It scares you. It's, it's, it is. It, that's the thing. Is that's what you, when you're when you're scared. It's when your fear, when you're got when you're really thinking about stuff, is when 
the course is doing a good job. For sure. It seems that way. Yeah. Like the ones that make you nervous, you know? Yeah. That's, I, I think that's like, it's now the design has to be, that's why I thought Shinnecock, you know, obviously, and we could talk about that. You know, Mike Davis is out in the last, last hurrah as the, but Shinnecock, yeah. it was fascinating to watch the best players in the world just get absolutely ejected hitting wedges into these greens, you know? But like that's a place where when you play it, you're literally terrified to hit the hit a wedge. You are. It's got that same Pinehurst Oakmont kind of thing. It's just like I know I'm gonna miss this and I don't know how I miss this and not be dead. Like where where do I hit this? I've got like a tabletop to land this wedge on and if I don't where do I kind of want to miss it? Because they all seem like bad choices, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it isn't as bad as it seems. You know, like these uh, places that make you nervous. If you just kind of, like a famous shot, we'll talk, Shinnecock is right, but like a famous show everyone knows, like 15 at the Masters is not really that hard a four iron mm-hmm. for us, really. I mean, it's difficult, but it's a relatively big target and, if it lands anywhere on the right-hand side of the green, it always stops, right? We always see it stop. But it looks like you're trying to hit a four-on under the top of a Volkswagen with the wind and you don't know where it is, where if it's short, it's in the water, long, it's in the water, and anywhere else, it's going to be in the water after that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a relatively easy shot if you're confident in the practice round, but as soon as you get there in the tournament, you're so nervous and you're so it's so hard to put that solid swing on it just because of all the bad things that can happen. So you end up putting a bad swing on it. That's the interesting way to test us. Not with obvious hazards, but with that mental turmoil. <laughs> yeah. um, that's my favorite. And it's the hardest to play, for sure, because it drives you nuts. What What'd you... Uh, I, I read your article about about uh, Shinnecock after the U.S. Open. I um, It was it, it's interesting. Like, I had Roberto Castro on a cup, like, uh, last week or two weeks ago. And he said, it. you know, the setup was was great the first two days and they kept the the greens were really slow in comparison to week to week but then obviously they Mm -hmm. got they got a little out of hand and they got a couple bad pins but i mean do you do you think those are the types of greens and i think i actually think slower greens rewards better putters more I think so too. I, th- I mean, people kind of disagree with me. I don't think you will because it sounds like you know where you're on the same kind of page as me. I kind of would like to see firm and slightly slower greens than what you would particularly. I mean, not, I'm not slow greens, but slower than the U.S. Open. I think again, slope. I think firmness is the real test of a ball striker not speed because the firmness that when the ball lands, the yeah. angle matters and the height that it's coming matters and the spin matters and everything just matters so much more when the ball bounces, when it lands. Um, but green speed, when they're so fast and so perfect, it's actually easier to putt um, in some ways. If you talk to like someone like Branson Edgar, like the best putter on tour, probably, especially the best putter on slower, bad greens. He makes everything on the West coast, wins pebble, holds everything at Torrey. Um, he likes bad greens because he slower greens he thinks he has an advantage a bigger advantage on slower greens than everyone else so yeah. he, the best one of the best maybe the best putter on tour or one of the best putters anyway Seneca, he completely agrees with you and says slower greens are harder to putt so he likes them better you think about the tournaments that had greens like that like pebble every year like 
and you look Jason Day and Spieth play well at Pebble seemingly every single year. They're two of the best putters. Mm-hmm. And then you think about Chambers Bay, who was in the hunt there where everybody was complaining about the greens. Like DJ, DJ's turned himself into a good putter. Um, and then you've got, you got Spieth, Jason Day on that leaderboard. Like those greens were bumpy. They, they took like half the field out of it before it even started because they had convinced themselves they couldn't putt on them. See, I didn't mind. I mean, it's not what we're used to, Chambers Bay. Uh, having the, uh, I mean, it's just a, absolutely abominable surfaces, right? They weren't even remotely close to greens. But instantly after, on like Tuesday practice round on Monday, whenever I've played my first practice round, you could tell straight away that the best putters are going to do well here. And the best player in the world is going to win this tournament. It was just obvious because you you had to have every aspect of your game, and only people who were really really playing well would have putted well on those greens. You just had to be a good putter, and you had to have a good head. And so it didn't surprise me. Well, one, it didn't surprise me that someone missed a short putt for it to be weird at the end. Yeah. But two, because that was probably going to happen on greens like that, unfortunately. And you're right, Dustin's a great putter now. Um, but Jordan, good putters win on bad greens, and so I don't necessarily think bad greens ruin a tournament per se it actually it actually adds an it's not as fun to play from a player's perspective you'd much rather yeah. perfect green but from a from a result of the tournament and finding the best player it's not the worst thing ever sometimes to have some bumpy dodgy greens because it finds the better putter you know it's I, not ideal but well, it just shows you there's more white and there's more than one more than it's not only 15 on the stint meter that challenges people there's other ways to challenge great golfers well, it's, it's way harder when you've got a four footer that you have to aim outside the hole than one that's really fast. I think. I, I think uh, slow. Definitely. Hmm. Yeah, that's because so, you can't put pins on slopes. Once it gets to certain speeds, if you, you're getting your pins down on one and two percent slopes, in the good old days, they were probably on three or four, and that ball's just breaking a lot more. And that's just a more challenging three footer than one that's inside right than one that's outside right, right? Yeah, I would think. Yeah, way um, more. It's the uh, I I I had uh, I've got in a spreadsheet all the variance data, so like the scoring variance mm-hmm. of of every tournament in the last like fifteen years, and okay. Chambers Bay was number two in scoring variance of any tournament outside of... Scoring variance being so the, the low in the field to the high in the field? Yeah, so essentially how it's variance in... You know, I might be wrong, but I, I would look at variance saying this is, this is a statistic that shows how well players separate from the field that are playing well, mm-hmm. you know? So Chambers Bay... And uh, Shinnecock was number one from last year. But Uh then number two was Chambers Bay. And actually what I was surprised by was Whistling Straits had really high high, uh, variance data. Interesting. And and then, like, you could tell whenever something rained, like, the lowest Augusta numbers were the ones that were the wettest. So, like, firm conditions. Because, like, I think about Chambers Bay that year. And I'll never forget guys like bouncing balls on the mm-hmm. on the ground, and that you know you had to hit great shots, and it like that firm conditions seems to be the key to really testing people. I think 
certainly um, it makes it more interesting. It's a it's a broader test. There's more nuance. There's, there's more to the test. It's not as it's a little bit more black and white when it's soft because if it's soft, the ball just lands and it stops where it lands. So the the shape it was coming in on and the spin that it had and the flight, the height that it was at, it doesn't matter really if it just hits and stops. But if it hits and reacts and bounces, it really matters how the ball got to where it landed, like really matters. Yeah. And the firmer it is, the more it matters. And so, and then you actually have to start planning out where that ball has to land because it's not actually just going to stop there. So the 165 to the pin might turn into 146 and it has to be slightly left of the pin because there's a slope and it has to have a fade. So it does, I mean, there's just so much more to it that um, every extra bit of bounce on the course that you have, you're just going to f- challenge the player a little bit more and probably in a more interesting way than just pure length or pure speed of green or pure length of rough or... Whatever. It's just it's a more nuanced test, I guess. So you get more interesting golf to watch. That's the way I would see it, anyway. Yeah, yeah. And then and then your tee shot becomes more important. What? That's that's the thing about the like everyone's been everyone is pointing fingers at why we're why the ball's going so far and all that. But really, if we played firmer fairways, ironically, firmer fairways where the ball would actually go further, we would have chased length a little bit less. And we would have chased shape a little bit more, you know, the Bubba Watson style, who hits it really long, but generally never tries to flog it as far as he can. He tries to fit the ball in the course. More players would play like that if the ball hit the fairway and rolled because a 30-yard wide fairway effectively plays 20 yards wide when the ball hits and rolls a bit, you know, so or let, it plays narrower. Yeah. Um, but the trouble is initially it plays shorter, right? So we all kind of got reactive. Everybody did by making stuff longer and softer. So it seemed longer so we could recreate the three irons and four irons that people had into the greens in the old days. But um, yeah. when it plays soft, it plays wide. And when it plays wide, you can hit it as hard as you want. When you can hit it as hard as you want, the talented people in the world are going to find a way to hit it a long way because they're allowed to because the game is actually encouraging us to do that. But if it's a little bit firmer, because I think length is great. The, the Brooks and Rory and they have an advantage and they should be able to show their advantage, but it should be relative and it should be uh, a real skill to hit the ball 320 up the fairway and actually hit the fairway. Like that should be a real skill. Um, and it is, but maybe it should be more of a skill. You know, I don't know. Yeah, that's a, the. Um, it's amazing Bubba where where he's had success in his career. Like he's won three or three times now at Riv two times mm-hmm. at Augusta and it's like, but he shapes it. He moves it more than everybody else. So it kind of makes sense that he would play best at Riv. It does. It's a shaping course, especially off the tee, but him back to kind of how we were talking about the, like the, the range time and the unlevel lie thing. I mean, Bubba, he does not go to the range. <laughs> um, his perspective on the range, it's the best answer ever. Like it's, it's so simple. It's almost annoying. Um, He's like, Bubba, why don't you go hit balls? He goes, well, if I'm hitting it well, why would I want to hit balls? I don't need to. And if I'm hitting it badly, why would I want to watch myself hit it badly? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, I can't argue with that. How do you argue with that? It's like so simple. Yet we, we don't want it to be true because it's too simple, but it's right, isn't it? And so he's always just played golf. He'll play I... golf in the morning on tour and he'll get Teddy, his caddy, and they'll go play a local course somewhere and play nine holes. That's his practice is playing golf holes. 
And I think when you do that all the time, you don't end up like Bubba completely, but you get more that way, more of a golfer rather than a hitter, shaping and stuff like that. It's just crazy. It's David, But what an attitude to practice. It's great. David Duvall <laughs> was that way too. I remember reading about that. Um, he like didn't didn't go to the range when he was hitting it bad and didn't go when he was hitting it good because he didn't want to lose it. Isn't that funny? And then when he actually started hitting a lot of balls, he might have lost it a bit. Um, yeah. It's a funny game, golf, isn't it, like that? It's a... Uh, it's... You chase it and it goes away. It's elusive. But Bubba, my favorite thing was how he, how everybody was worried that he was going to play in that All Star game, that celebrity All Star game last year. It's like my favorite, one of my favorite golf stories of all time. You know what was the breakdown of the story? He played. You know, it was All Star weekend for the NBA last year, and yeah. during Riv Week, and he, and so he's in the lead, and he played in the celebrity. Uh, all-star game the night of and and golf analysts were like well he's gonna his legs are gonna be shot tomorrow he's not gonna be able to play (laughs) like the overreaction it's it's just funny um it's funny hey uh what do you what do you think about the new rules um look i think a lot of them i don't completely have my head around them yet um because i haven't played a tournament yet and had any rulings and experienced it i think uh I never read the rule book growing up. I don't think anybody ever did. You just learn the rules along the way, right? Um, every time you hit it next to a hazard and you, you take that drop enough times, it, it just becomes this is what you do when you hit it in a red or a yellow hazard or a plug lie or anything. Um, but what I've seen, that drop thing that was going on with Bryson at Capilouris, I never understood the drop. What was wrong with dropping it from the shoulder? I thought that was there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I get that they don't want the balls to rot, like the situations for pros. See, there's two. See, there's two things for me. There's there's golf and then there's tournament golf. Yeah, and they're completely different. And there's two different. There should be two different sets of rules. And the rules for golf, the 99.9 percent of golfers should, base. We can go back to the ten original rules at St Andrews. Basically, you know, play the balls it lies, tee off behind the markers, you know, like just basic simple stuff. Yeah, tournament golf is different. Like. We're dropping from temporary stuff all the time and there's there's all sorts of craziness and there's there's an absolute necessity to create a level playing field right really yeah. um where there's too much at stake for too many people and too many entities for it to not be like completely level but the average guys just want to go out and play golf i mean how many of your friends actually play by the rules anyway no, two no. balls off the fir- two balls off the first and we're rolling it in the like we're rolling it in the fairway today and all that sort of stuff and as long as everyone in that group is playing by the same rules, it's fine, right? Yeah. Um, I think the spirit of it should be, guys, play whatever whatever golf you want to play, and then in tournaments we do this. But anyway, that's that's me. But the drop thing, I think, is completely bizarre. It's, like, it's... I, I see that you should be allowed to drop it from your knees. That's fine. But why can't you drop it from higher than that? Yeah, why can't you drop it from your waist? Why can't you drop it from, from above your head? I mean, what's the difference? Like, um, <laughs> That's... That one I think is strange. I just think there's it smacks of overthinking. It's like the the the, the groove thing with the wedges, the putter thing, and then these ones. It just it smacks of committees sitting around tables and just overthinking simple stuff. Yeah. Just finding more complicated and like the, the intention was simplicity with these rules, and they generally are simpler, with an overview. So they kind of succeeded there, I think. But 
some of the things inside just smack of like, seriously, how did we end up there? It's like the cut rule on tour, you know, the Saturday cut, the MDF. That was overthought. <laughs> the Fincham rule. On... Yeah. I was on the pack when we came up with that. And it was just, we just ended up talking ourselves in circles and ending up coming up with really kind of an awkward situation because we overthought it too much. We tried to make it too fair, you know. Um, and the rules are a bit like that. I think they'll evolve. I think we'll work it out. We can't have one of these. The Bryson situation was so bizarre that... um. What about the pin know. in, putting with it in? Look, the spirit of that I love too. See, the especially for the average guy. And again, yeah. by the rules, I think a lot of average guys have just, like when their buddy's off raking the bunker and their other friends like getting their sandwich out of their bag and you've got a 60-footer, you just hit the putt, right? You shouldn't have to walk up and grab the pin or wait for someone. Um, it makes complete sense in that situation, don't you think? Like just the Completely. Like if I I'm can't, playing... No one can grab yeah. the pin, let me just putt. Yeah, and like if I'm playing by myself, I'm putting with the pin in all the time anyways. Like it's like, yeah, you know. Yeah, I never take the pin when I play by myself. Exactly. So it's like that makes a lot of sense. For, it, it is everything. What you said about the rule for everyday play, rules for tournament play, makes complete sense. I think if we're struggling to like, I don't think we're struggling in golf as much as some of the media wants to say. I know participation numbers aren't high, but I think across the board in a lot of things that's probably true, you know, because – from what I see, people are looking at screens a lot more than they're doing anything else. You know, participation on screen time is probably going up. But outside of that, with golf, we just want people to play. It doesn't have to be 18 holes of stroke play under the 39 rules of golf, whatever there is. Every time you play golf, you can go play six holes, like, with any rules you want. I don't care. Just go play golf. Like, that should be the encouragement. Um, You can play whatever rules you want. Just go play. We just want you to play. If you want to play tournaments, yeah, this is how we do it. You know, but if you go for a pickup game of basketball with your friends, you don't feel like you have to play like the full rules. You know, no. you travel a little bit and like you're allowed to charge your friend a little bit. And like, it's just kind of because that's how you like to play. Like, golf, it should be encouraged that people can play whatever game you want. And if you want to get into big tournament stuff, then, then if you do that, then this is the way we're going to go, I think. It's so I've, I've been deep in the weeds this whole year on, on this architects, Langford Moreau, right? And they mm-hmm. they built a ton of courses in in the rural in rural towns in the Midwest, like small town Indiana, small town Illinois, Wisconsin, and like what I started to realize was like there are all these places with nine holes of Langford Moreau, and it makes sense. Like these guys only built nine holes for this small town. They shouldn't have eighteen holes. They should just have nine no, good nine ones. Nine holes is great. Nine holes is great. I mean, who says? Like, I think golf has been just – it's just caught itself up a little bit in this. Like, it has to be – golf is only golf if it's 18 holes and it's 7,000 yards and there's, like, all that that comes with it. But that's not true. My my favorite three or four golfing experiences in my life, one are the beach at St. Andrews with a wedge and two balls, just playing in and out of the tide pools up and down the the, the, the chariots of fire beach. Like, that to me is golf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I used to play at this park – I had this park where I grew up. It's kind of right next to Royal Melbourne. It's actually a high school. But it's a public high school. And when I was growing up, there's two big ovals, like Australian rules football ovals. So they're massive, joined with trees and three balls and a nine-iron. That was me for years from probably 12 to 16 or 17. Every night after school, if I didn't get to the golf course, I was hitting balls around there. That was, And I would make little holes around the trees. And mm-hmm. there was the rubbish bin across the other side. I'll take three shots with a nine-iron to get there around these trees. To me, that was as much golf as anything else, as 18 holes at St. Andrews. 
that it really is. And I think that's the message that needs to get across, I think. Kid, I, I, I grew up, one of my best friends growing up, he ended up being all-state golfer, great golfer. You know, we, and we grew up playing wiffle ball golf all through the front yards of our neighbors, hitting yes. wiffle balls to trees. And that was golf. If you, if you hit it onto the road, it was a water hazard. So good. How much fun is that too, right? Uh, unbelievable fun. That's, so, and, and, and we're golf tragics, right? So that's our thing. But, and, and not everybody's going to do that. But I just think this, uh, I would love to, if, if you want to play golf and you only want to play for an hour every day, then three holes. And you're allowed to do that. You know, If you want to just go to the drum range and just hit seven Fuji buckets of driver, that's golf for you that's fine that's golf right like i don't you're still a golfer if you ask me um i think the rule i think the opportunity with the rules change was the idea to put that idea out there you know i think the rules changes are kind of fine and they simplify it and there's a couple of weird ones in there but that'll all shape out it'll work out in the wash you know yeah um that spirit of you know what guys no one plays by the rules anyway as long as you don't trash the course and you use the etiquettes of golf you find any game you want you know, I think. All right, so uh, let's uh, let's wrap this up. We got uh, we got stuff to do, so uh, we're gonna do this more often. Yes, for yeah. sure. I like this. Yeah, maybe maybe monthly, maybe once every couple months, maybe more, maybe yeah, we'll we'll see. But uh, you're not on social media. Nobody can get a hold of you. You know what? I I was I was a Twitter fiend there for a little bit, and then. I think Twitter's a beautiful, new, a great news feed to get information, but I think it's dangerous toe to put your ocean in when you, um, ocean to put your toe in when you're a public figure a little bit. Oh, uh, it's, it's tough. And I got frustrated. I got really frustrated with uh, the negativity of your followers. You're a nice pot on fifteen today, Jeff, and all that. And I know it doesn't really mean anything, and you should really listen to it. But it's just like I don't need that in my life, so I just. Just did. I kind of got off Twitter. I was an early. I was early on Twitter, and then I got off. But um, a little bit of Instagram. But I don't really. I should probably get a little bit more active. But um, there you have it. I'm yeah. old school. Take some pictures of Royal Melbourne. I'm sure the people would like that. You know. You know what? I think that really. Uh, I should do that because it's out the back fence now, and yeah. that looks pretty good at sunset. I'll tell you that. Yeah, and you got you got you could take pictures of coffee. You got you're back to uh, where uh, coffee is like a cherished. Uh, pastime sure they take coffee very seriously here in melbourne it's uh coffee's very good here yeah fantastic that's... six cups a day is probably too many but it is very good <laughs> all right well we'll talk soon um and uh look forward to doing more of these good stuff that was fun i enjoy it yeah.